Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about the recession of 1949. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. take it away. <laughs> are you ready? I, I think I'm ready for this excitement. Oh, it's going it's to be thrilling. Uh, the recession of 1949 was a downturn in the United States lasting for 11 months. According to the National Bureau of Economic Research, the recession began in November 1948 and lasted until October 1949. The 1948 recession was a brief economic downturn. Forecasters of the time expected much worse, perhaps influenced by the poor economy in their recent lifetime. The recession began shortly after President Truman's fair deal economic reforms. The recession also followed a period of monetary tightening by the uh, the Federal Reserve. Hold on. Ooh, interesting. Hold on a second. I think I... No, no, I didn't care. No. That that was that nope. was one yeah. of the most dull things I've ever heard in my life. So this mm-hmm. this was a uh, did you call it a depression or was it a recession? A recession. So it's not it's not even a full blown depression. It's a recession that wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. Mm. And so the the headline here is that ah things were kind of a little bit poorly, but not that bad really. Like we yeah. <laughs> oh so my says- god, this is. So- Dull. It okay. says here, um, the only kind of at least vaguely interesting thing, um, during the recession, the gross domestic product of the United States fell by fell by 1.7%. 1.7? The, un- the unemployment rate reached its peak for the cycle of 7.9%. Oh my God, stop. Be still my beating heart. So they say, they say that, you know, like they expected, they expected worse. But I think that's just a kind of a way of kind of covering up that things really, they still weren't that fab. 1.7 drop in GDP. And 7.9% oh. unemployment rates. is. This uh, was 1948, did you say? Yep. Yeah. 1949, recession of 1949. 1949. So it ended in 1949, began in 1948. So <laughs> it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't that great. Let, let's just put that into perspective. Like four years ago, they were at total war. And now there's like, oh, mm. well, the, the economy took a little bit of a downturn. Like, oh, come on, guys. I mean, if there's going to be a time where you don't want the economy to take a downturn, it's immediately like... <laughs> It's not well, after war. Well, yeah, surely, it says, um, surely it's just before the war. Department sales fell 22%. 22%. Oh, my goodness. So House of, like Fraser, House of Fraser would have sold, you know, 80 uh, towels in cream white on a given week rather than 100. Wow. that's The wholesale price and cost of living indexes fell 12 and 5 points. So, now, sorry, that means you're, nothing you're, to me. you're desperately trying to make this interesting and make it sound well, like it I'm was just, a big deal. Uh, I did quite enjoy geography at school, and I, I'm not recognising the wholesale price and cost of living indexes. I mean, I enjoy geography at school, um, uh, and I don't recognise those things. I, I, mean, I can un- I can guess what they are. They'll be like linked to the price of bread and things like that, and I mm. don't know the, the the price of certain utilities like power and water. And so, you know, there'll, there'll be some metric. That was actually something I was listening to um, a podcast that I talked about on here before, actually, 99% Invisible, uh, which is talking about rural poverty in China and about how they assess um, what, what constitutes poverty and how it's actually quite difficult to compare between countries because, you know, like the mm. cost of food in different countries. And then you have the added thing of the cost of exchange, sorry, the exchange rates um, mm. comparing currencies. It was quite interesting. Much more interesting, I, I'd, I'd like to say, than the, the slight hiccup in the US economy of 1948 to 1949 i mean again i feel like a slight hiccup is not it's doing it a disservice 
It wasn't I mean, like <laughs> balls to the wall. Oh my god, everything's gone wrong. But equally, it wasn't kind of like oh, I'm sure we'll be okay. Like if you put, uh, like place this in its in in, in, in like a historical context immediately after war this would have been absolutely awful i don't know the thing is america emerged from the second world war as i understand it as basically the only country that came off sort of okay like you compare it to everywhere else like certainly western europe and the soviet union um and japan like okay okay relative to others if it's kind of like when it it comes to economy it's like it's not going to make a huge difference is it well, yeah, but like, okay, relative to others, it's like if you are doing, um, if everyone else in the world is doing terribly and you are doing kind of bad, you are performing fantastically relative to the rest of the world. So, like, that's the only yeah, but, thing that matters. How is how is how are people in America? Okay, so um, we've got a family who's living in America. Okay, what are they called? It is it's October nineteen fourteen. They're called the um, the Dawsons. The Dawsons. Okay. The Dawsons, who's in the Dawsons okay. family? Um. Judith Dawson is going Judith to Dawson. her local department store. I'm just going to get store. a post-it note. Right, okay, right. Judith. Yeah. Yeah. Judith Dawson um, is, is going to a department store to go and buy bread. Department store sales have fallen 22%. Yep. She's, she's, she's stressing out. She's not feeling great. And then somebody comes up to her and says, well, you know, if you were living in Germany, actually, it could be much, much worse. That's going to well, mean think- f- all difference to Judith, is it? Because she doesn't live in Germany. All she cares about is what's directly impacting her. Obviously, like she can be safe in the knowledge that yes, things could be worse. But if she's not experience- experiencing it, then why ever- why even make the comparison? Well, I feel like for one thing, Judith would be like, "Oh, that's a good point. At least my house isn't on fire and burned down in a pile of rubble because I didn't live in Dresden." And also because she's American, she would go, "Woo, USA!" Because that's just the way that the Americans are. That's but, the uh, the cultural appropriation we're waiting for. How 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 long in that? Am I recording? That's uh, that's five minutes that we've been recording. <laughs> well done. Well Tell done. you what though, Americans are not in my good books. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw what I posted to Facebook. Oh, if yeah, I'm I'm well aware. You're not uh, you're not a happy chappy. I'm not a happy bunny with Americans. The thing is, like, it's it's the classic thing with online video that the negative comments always speak louder than the positive ones. Um, and mm. for for the uh, people who might not be follow my youtube channel i posted a video uh two weeks ago now um i took some time off because of something which we're going to talk about later um uh, i posted this video about sign and cos um and incidentally mm. how is that how you would pronounce those words like if if in an equation is that how you would read them yes yeah right everyone in the uk and as far as i can tell now south africa and australia um if there's an equation for example um uh, the one that people don't seem to argue about is like sine pi by two is one, right? But if you were to say cos pi by two is zero, suddenly half the world, well, and by that I mean America, kicks off in a massive shit fit because everyone is insisting. And people are like, uh, are saying on this video, because I, I pronounce it as cos rather than cosine, everyone is saying it's unlistenable, it's terrible, I know nothing about maths. Um, but mm. like, honestly, I have been astonished um, by the vitriol of the comments that I've got, including mm. people calling me a cuck uh, because I apparently also I, I butchered the Latin pronunciation, which I mean, I don't know Latin, but whatever. Um, people, yeah, people, people saying that I'm uh, a beater. Um, a, a literal quote here from a user, English mother do you speak it which i know is a reference um people saying i'm angry and jealous i'm butt hurt um it's just it's literally uh, americans all over this comment section are like you're doing it wrong because you're not pronouncing it like me and my country you're doing it wrong 
Um, wow. It's it's literally amazing. I mean, Judith Dawson has a lot to answer for, I think. I, if she is one of these people... Poor Judith. Has anyone called Judith ever commented on my channel? Hang on, I can search through my comments. Um, but oh, you it's must like, have had a Judith. It's, um... Uh, I don't know, it's not that common a name, is it? Let's have a look. Judith. No, no comments containing the word Judith, including usernames. But wow. I mean, yeah, it, it's, um... It, so, so Judith's okay, but her son... Um, Bobby or something. I don't know what the f- Americans call their children. So much vitriol. Like, it's literally amazing. And also people being like, this is an erosion of trust of your viewership because I gave it the title Why Sign and Cos Don't Mean Anything. And I say in the description that's slightly hyperbolic because obviously they do mean something. That's what maths is. But like, the word is just a corruption of a Latin word that, that was used inappropriately. So like, to mm. say that it's it doesn't mean anything, what I mean by that is like, it's the English version of the word meaning cavity or bay, which doesn't have anything to do with geometry. Um, so, mm. you know, in that sense, it doesn't mean anything. But everyone's like, yeah, this is an abusal of trust. BuzzFeed have got an opening for you. Um, like, I feel like I'm disliking wow. the video because I hate clickbait. All this kind of thing. It's like, I Jesus mean, you can Christ, tell, like, guys. So many of the pe- people commenting on that video wouldn't be students of the humanities or English because we'd put you know to say that that those two words don't mean anything is perfectly acceptable because we go off the basis that you know, like meaning is a construct anyway isn't it you know like we, yeah. we, we just apply meaning to arbitrary words and then accept that as a society my yeah. favorite my favorite comment has been somebody saying you clearly don't know anything about maths and so I was like oh man that PhD was completely wasted on me <laughs> like, mm, yeah, I, I don't so. know anything about maths interestingly to, uh, to on a slightly lighter note, Judith Dawson um, won the British Independent Film Award for uh, Best British Documentary with the film Dark Horse. You're kidding! I'm deadly serious. She is a film producer. Oh my god! Judith Dawson! So she yeah. moved from America. She brought Bobby with her. Her husband, of course, died mm-hmm. in the war. That's the, you know... Yeah. So hang on, Dark Horse, what's it about? Uh... It is... A barmaid in a poor Welsh mining village convinces some of her fellow residents to pool their resources to compete... Uh, in the sport of kings with a racehorse they would breed and raise. Have you seen the poster? It looks delightful. Yeah. Oh, I might have to watch that. Dark Horse. Tell you what, if anyone wants to, if any readers would like to uh, watch the film Dark Horse uh, and get back to us with a review, I would be very interested to hear your thoughts on it because that looks wonderful. Oh, Judith did well. I am... (laughs) That is amazing. Mm. Well, I now know that if we ever do like a, a city builder sim or something, we need to come up with a name. Uh, that's the yeah. name of the family that's going to move in first, the Dawsons. The Dawsons, yeah. Wow. Um, Good on you, Judith. Incidentally, um, if anyone has a, if anyone has a connection to the British film producer Judith Dawson, write in. <laughs> Answers on a postcard. On a podcard. Um, that'd be amazing. So, so that's so basically the long and roundabout way was that like Americans need to suck it up when it comes to pronunciation and they need to accept the fact that they're minor depressions just like come on like relative to the rest of the world. I mean, I, I, obviously it's not good that there was an economic downturn, but like let's keep this in perspective. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else interesting about this article? We have invented a whole um, backstory in lieu of there being <clears throat> anything interesting on this article. Not especially. Okay. Um. There is literally the contents page of this Wikipedia article. Uh, there's four, and that's including references, four sections. Wow. It has um, a lot to say, clearly. The severity, one section is titled um, The Main Cause of the Recession. It consists of two sentences. 
Oh, oh and, and what are those the... sentences? I, I, I could, I could, you know, I, if I need to sleep tonight, I'll just remember what you say now. Well, to be honest, I don't think we need. I don't think we need that title to be there because the answer is so blindingly obvious. The first sentence is: "Many regard World War II to be the main cause of the recession." Well, yes, that, one would assume so. <laughs> Uh, according to C.A. Blythe, the most important case of, of 1948 to 1949 recession was substantial fall in the fixed investments. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. fascinating. Um, and the severity of this recession uh, is five sentences long, and it's that stuff about wholesale price and cost of living. And then the other, there's four references. I mean, so I, I inspired by this, I just had a quick check. There is a Wikipedia article called, and I'm not... Joking, this is a real Wikipedia article. Wikipedia, colon, list of really, really, really stupid article ideas that you really, really, really should not create. I've never seen this before. Uh, it's actually okay. an article that says it is trying to be humorous. Do not take it seriously. I haven't seen... Can you say... Wait, I, I need to find this. Uh, uh, just search, like, Wikipedia really, really, really stupid articles. Um, and it's all stuff like, don't make articles about memes... Don't waste articles about your self-published book or your new sex position. Uh, yet another list of Google Doodles. Uh, any article related to odorous gas clouds, and there's a link on that, which is to flatulence. My favourite, possibly... Oh, there's two footnotes. Ah, oh, right. So, rule number one. Any article about um, or described by any of the following can be safely assumed to fit into a set of unnecessary articles. One, you or the organisation you work for Footnote number one. Oh, no. Your imaginary friend or your imaginary friends that don't even exist. Footnote number one. God, however, is a noteworthy exception to this rule. And and then uh, later on... Hang on, where's that footnote from? There's a second one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Number 24. You're killed in WoW or similar time wasters. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we want. I your found guild that... in World of Warcraft or similar time wasters. Good lord. I found that uh, a footnote, which is, your wiki or your blog, it's probably not intentionally famous. If it is, well, go ahead. But let's face it, your blog of cute cats is not internationally famous. Three readers is not fame. Footnote number two, nor is four. Five is right out. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Oh, wow. The, oh, this is this is so much more interesting. Why couldn't we randomise on this? Mm. I mean, to, to to show how the sausage gets made a little bit, Dan, how many articles did you randomise through before I just said enough? Just pick this one. Oh, too many. Far too many. The thing is that sometimes the the kind of the random article algorithm works really well. Mm. Um, other times you'll be clicking for, I don't know, seven or eight times and all I'm getting is different species of like flora present in South America or um, some interstate road in North America. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I think I think the churches of Mormonism and Clark Catholicism have slightly different philosophies when it comes to the randomised button, which in a way is like the the creed of the relig- of our religions. That's the thing we share in mm. common. I, I think yes. Clark Catholicism, uh, we believe that you should basically just click it once, and unless it is something very similar to what we have done before. Or it is something where there is literally nothing to talk about. Um, I think once we did have a, a, an article about a village in Turkey where I clicked it once and I was mm. like, this is like one sentence. There's no way we're doing this. Mm. But in any yeah. other circumstance, we should stick with it. Whereas I think you are more mm. selective. The Church of Mormonism is more elitist, some would say. I think, yeah, the Church of Mormonism looks for 
a degree of kind of like intrigue off the bat. So like even with the ones about kind of roads and species of flower, I'll give a quick scan to see if there's anything vaguely like interesting, interesting there, you know. Um, if not, though, I feel like well, just, why, why not find something, you know, fascinating and interesting like the recession of 1949? Yeah, quite. I like this um, really, really, really stupid article ideas. These are fantastic. Wikipedia's got its own little kind of subculture, doesn't it? It's like yeah, it's it's its own thing. And like the thing about that's like the older I get, the more I realise that human culture is just so fractal. Like it doesn't matter how deep down a, a a rabbit hole you go, it always diverges into multiple parts. Like within this podcast, yeah. I mean, you have podcasts, you have podcasts about Wikipedia, and there's probably a few of them. Not that we know about any others. Mm. And then within this podcast, we have the diverging paths of Clark Catholicism and Mormonism. And then even with, yeah. within those, there are listeners who have slightly different interpretations of our of our creeds. Um, I don't know. It's it's fascinating to me. So, you know, like every time when you go on Wikipedia, and I think that's why I love the website so much, is you keep finding where human culture diverges and becomes fractal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and it inspires debate about, for example, how... Uh, how important the Depression of 1948-1949 was in America. It is. There is a... I'm just looking through um, at the bottom of the recession of 1949, the bottom mm. of the article. There's a link uh, to another kind of like subsection called titled "Recessions mm. in the United States: Notable Recessions in Bold." And when right. you look, when you read through the when you read through the num- the dates, it literally reads like the U.S. is always in recession. <laughs> Well, that I mean, that's another thing, right? Like, I mean, it's all well and good to say that the House of Fraser was down twenty percent on sales or whatever the equivalent is in America, but like, if that happens every other year, it's not significant. Mm. So, for instance, going from from let's start from nineteen hundred because at the earliest recession date is ni- uh, seventeen ninety six to ninety nine. Oh my that's god! Cool. That's that um, literally the time of Alexander Hamilton. So there there was a recession in 1907 to 08. Uh-huh. Then 1918 to 19. Yeah, after the war again. Then 1920 to 21. Mm-hmm. Then 1929 to 33. That was the great depression. 37 Yeah. 49 as we've already touched on. 53 mm. to 54, 58, 60 to 61, 69 <laughs> to 70, 73 to 75, 80 and 81 and 82, 90 to 91, 2000 to 2003 and 7 to 2009. Welcome to uh, Number Readout Simulator 2018. Dan Moore on the controls mm. there. Uh, wow. Mm. I mean, the, the, uh, it depends what you count as like a re- um, recession. Well, I mean, uh, how do you technically define a recession? Like, you're more of an economist than I am. Um, am I? Well, I mean, I've never studied it. So, and you, you have a, a little bit, right? Not really. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I never did. I never. I never did economics. Um, hang on. Let's. Let's. What would you? What would you? try and define a recession as and i'll 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 read out what our um okay i mean i would a recession to me is when in crude terms the economy is shrinking right so okay i I would say that that means like um or is that a depression is a recession where it just grows at a slower rate than normal or is it like a decrease in the rate of growth Mm. In in economics, a recession is a business cycle um, contradiction. Nope, contraction. Dan can't read, which <laughs> results in a general slowdown in economic activity. So it's a slowdown, right? So it, does that mean yeah. then that the actual output of the economy decreases, or is it the rate of change of, or is it the rate of increase of the economy? 
um, decreases. Macroeconomic indicators such as GDP, investment spending, uh, capacity utilisation, household income, business profits and inflation fall while bankruptcies and unemployment rate rise. Okay, so it's the the gross output Mm. rather than the rate of change. Okay. I I literally have two um, textbooks on economics uh, somewhere in this room. I picked them up in St. Peter's Library Mm. once um, and didn't give them back. Um, So I need to learn about this stuff. Like, tell you, actually, I tell you who knows quite a bit about economics. It seems is Brian from Real Engineering. Um, mm. Like he he's got a stock portfolio and everything. And like he's he's my age, or he might even be younger. Like I don't, I wouldn't have a clue mm. how to start investing in stocks. Um, although yeah. at the moment, it's actually probably for the best that I'm not investing in stocks because everything's everything's going to. Sh- uh, I mean, even I understand why yeah. that is. I've actually just started the other day giving my um ten percent of my pay um to invest in uh, Apple shares. Okay. So they take of my of each each month they deduct ten percent and invest it in company shares at like a slightly discounted price. So it is worth it rather than just kind of like them doing it automatically for you. So how do um, you how do you trade those shares? Right. So you own shares in Apple, right? Presumably, like mm-hmm. not many at this point. Yeah. And then what? How how do you um if you were to leave the company, say, obviously like they were bought through Apple. But then, mm-hmm. how how do you go about interacting with them? How do you sell them, or how do you buy more if you are no longer with Apple? So it depends on the type of share or stock that it is. So if it's if it's just like normal, and I'm gonna and please like I can I can hear economic students around around across the globe getting triggered. <laughs> this is my understanding. If it's normal stock, then there is a, there is kind of like there's obviously some like cap on time. You can't like as far as immediately being able to buy and sell, it's not as easy for a like just a normal consumer. Obviously like if you're a stockbroker, that's kind of like what you do for a living. Mm. But for instance, there's another thing that um companies do, Apple is one of them, where if they've performed particularly well in a year or a quarter um, you, I think Apple does it on a yearly basis. Um, then they will allocate what's called restricted stock. So they'll give you X okay. amount of money's worth of restricted stock, which isn't worth true value. But you've got to wait a certain amount of time. I think it's like two years for that stock to kind of mature. So it's kind of like a kind. It's like a monetary gamble on Apple's terms, because obviously, because with waiting for that year of time. Um, it depends on how the company then keeps performing within that year to determine the price of the stock. Um, but yeah, with but, restricted things, you've got to wait for them to vest. Um, and then you're able to sell them. But they are legally owned by by the person they're given to. So like, same with, with the normal stock that I receive as well. But um, my question is is sort of on a more practical level. How do you interact with them? Like how do, how do okay, you so in a year's time say, I'd a, like to sell those shares? There's a website and a kind of like a an organization whose name I forget, but uh, that deals with the kind of big companies. So I'm sure they would it'd be the same company that goes for, um, works with like Microsoft, um, Samsung, all the kind of big kind of like conglomerates um, that allow that kind of like facilitate employee trading and selling of those shares. So rather than just selling them on the market, there is like a kind of a little hub basically that makes that kind of purchase and sale slightly easier. I forget the name of what that's called, but that's how it works. Okay, I think I've just determined. But that's really. Why... It's basically. It's like a, it's 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 the stock market in kind of miniature. So it's still connected to it, but it only displays what's rele- what's relevant to you, rather than you just going on and 
you know. Yeah. One of my I actually did in year ten at school. I took um, I took an economics class for like six months. Um, and from the start of from the first lesson till the very end, on top of just the kind of normal teaching that we'd receive, um, there was this there was like a digital um, equivalent of the stock market. Um, mm. And you would you'd trade and kind of invest throughout the six months, and then there'd be a leaderboard as to who had made the most money at the end of the um, the end of the like semester, which was quite cool. Um, oh, okay, yeah, but yeah, it's definitely something I want to get. Certainly, like um, understanding stocks and shares, um, whichever you wish to call them, um, is something that I want to do. I want to kind of understand more. And invest in more because it's usually better than just having kind of money sitting in a bank account, earning you know, all interest basically. I mean, yeah, that that's the thing. Like being math, because I don't know anything about, um, and I think I've just determined why I don't know anything about economics because I just completely clocked out whilst you were talking and I was thinking about Teslas. Um, but mm. no offense to you, I was just like, oh wow, I am I am really not interested in this. I said I was, and I immediately regret it. But like, I I mm. want to learn more. I just need to find a way to make it interesting because yeah, I'm I don't know anything about the economics, but I'm obviously by this point quite mathematically literate. And mm. I mean, I it's actually pretty much child's play to put together a mathematical model that will take in a bunch of observations from the stock market everybody does this this isn't an original idea um uh, and, and you know say right well if you invest this much money in this stock then the probability model indicates you're probably going to make this much profit and like you know there's mm. different gambling strategies that you can do with that so it's an it's an interesting like um exercise in a way in in sort of these statistical techniques i i i'd almost want to invest just like a hundred quid and see how far i could get that to go um rather than it being mm. like a serious investment um my 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 problem is like how do you actually interact with it? I know there are websites like um, Trading212 that you see on every YouTube advert. Um, but, mm. you know, it's 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 the practical stuff for me that I don't still quite understand. But this is riveting, really riveting content. This is this has got to be up there with one of the most dull podcasts we've ever done. Um, mm. <laughs> we've talked about an article that has nothing in it. We talked about economics, despite the fact that neither of us know about it. Um, although we did at least have... Judith Dawson has been the saving grace of this podcast. Like, mm. Judith Dawson, despite having not said anything, is way more interesting than anything we've done. Um, I suppose we I've should... actually just found the um, the article. There's two articles in the news. I'm just I was just actually making sure whether it had been published because if if not, then I'm not allowed to talk about it as an employee. But there was mm. um, 17th of January last month. Um, Apple Apple is giving employees two thousand five hundred dollars bonuses in restricted stock units. So there's articles there, and they kind of explain how they work. So if you did want to kind of read them, um, uh, but that's okay. what they were doing, which is kind of cool. We all got like an email at work being like, "Here you go." I'm like, Ooh, "Thanks very much." <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like possibly uh, considering how long we've been recording, we should probably address the elephant in the room, which is that well, there's two elephants in the room. It's quite a small room and it's quite cramped. One, we didn't do a podcast last week. Um, mm. uh, I actually, I, I I don't know if you noticed this. I recorded some video of the two of us um, explaining why. I forgot to put it up mm. because I was away. I actually went to London uh, and Cambridge last weekend to see Hamilton, which is why I re- referenced him earlier. Uh, fi- ah. Finally saw Hamilton like a year after buying my tickets, more than a year, mm. um, which was amazing and absolutely fantastic yeah. uh, and everything I hoped it would be. And that was kind of like a nice way to round out the week because the reason 
well, the reason it was nice and the reason that Dan and I were in the same place was because I went down to Exeter to do my PhD viva, which dun, dun, dun. I'm happy to say I passed. So as a subject to corrections, and I've, I've actually got the scary email in my inbox now with like the corrections I need to do. Um, I am now Dr. Clark, which is really weird. Gosh. Very, very weird to say. It's it, it's worth it. Anyway, it's moving all, on. All kind of... uh, yeah. So... <laughs> you sounded you sound so... You sounded so just like nonplussed. It was like, wow, yeah, it's done. Well, we thought you forget we we have already had this conversation. <laughs> yes, we have. We can't feign. Uh, it's like, oh boy, tell me all about it, Simon. Uh, because yeah, we have had this conversation, and I have I have just yeah. uh, written a video that I will be filming today, hopefully, um, mm. all about it for my channel. So tremendous yeah. achievement, though. Absolutely well, tremendous. Uh, yeah, it's just a bit weird, really. I was doing this script. I'm trying to put it into sort of perspective with everything else in education that I've done, like from age four up until now and going through like old photos and school reports and things. Um, yeah. It is weird. Still doesn't really feel real, I'll be honest. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're going to have to, wait. yeah, we won't talk about it now because we can't feign interest because that we just, mm. we're, we're, we're way too honest on this podcast to actually A, put any effort in, uh, even when we are interested in something. Um so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to watch the video for that, and I think possibly it's time that we should take a little skip over into. Oh, this is going to be an interesting one. Into critics' corner. All right, all right, all right. Now I say this is interesting because we actually have uh, a unique interview with the uh, co-musical director of the Mikado at the University of Exeter. How uh, and I think yes, he's on the line. Hello, Mr. Moore. Are you there? Hello. Hi. Hello. Yeah, oh, you're coming to be you're... with you. You're breaking up a little bit. Um, so, mm. so tell me, tell me. Sorry, the satellite phone is is a little bit patchy. Um, tell me, tell me about the Mikado, what it was, and, and how did it go? So, uh, the Mikado has been a show that the ex University Gilbert and Sullivan Society been working on for since about, well, since the start of of term last year, really. So around kind of September October time, um, it opened in Exeter's uh, Northcott Theatre on Wednesday last week. Uh, it ran Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then a matinee and evening performance on the Saturdays. Um, did tremendously well. It's been one of the most um, well-attended GNS shows in the past couple of years. It's also been a privilege to work on the uh, production purely because it's the 50, 50th year anniversary of the Society, which is really cool. So we held like a gala drinks reception and things beforehand. So we had loads of alumni come down and see the show. Um, we've been really fortunate enough to have received really, really positive kind of glowing reviews um, for those who've seen it, which is really nice, um, both praising the, the kind of the performances on stage, the kind of the general um, vision of the work, which uh, has to go to my, uh, in the, um, oh, which fan fiction was it, where it turned out to be Sam Foster as the, as my like arch nemesis. Can you remember? Sorry, there's a bit of a delay on the satellite phone. Uh, yes, uh, yes, Sam, um, he was the villain in the uh, case of the deleted pixels. That's the one. That's the one. Well, Sam was our Sam was our director, and he did a superb job. Um, we've kind of been praised for our, our orchestra did amazing, amazingly well. Um, the kind of the standard of of sound on the stage from the kind of ensemble and soloist like principal roles, they've done brilliantly as well. Obviously, that was kind of more kind of m- my area. Um, there was a crossover between the two uh, co musical director kind of roles, but certainly vocal side and kind of coaching vocally was was my field and uh, and then Luke Luke did an absolutely fantastic job with the orchestra um it was just immensely kind of satisfying and 
a privilege to be a part of, really. I must admit, I am quite glad now uh, that the process is over because it was reaching a point where my weekly schedule was just mental. <laughs> I didn't have, I literally had no time. Whereas now I get my weekends, and this isn't including show, even show week, but my weekends, my Tuesdays and my Fridays back, which is nice. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it's really exciting. We're looking at doing some stuff in the third term as well. Um, uh, and we're going to get the kind of the same uh, DT, that same committee. So myself, Sam, Grace and uh, Luke, Get, get us all back because we worked really well as a team so yeah. as a final question to you on, on this on this line uh how how racially insensitive was the production this year our our production um was not really at all <laughs> we cut a tremendous amount of stuff out purely because um it wouldn't it, by law wouldn't have been allowed the guild actually walked in to um uh the rehearsal the guild is that like the um student um what's the equivalent of a guild for another university students union kind of uh, yeah, um, we had representatives from the guild come in and just let themselves into the theatre, um, like the day before we were doing our first full kind of costume and tech run, which is ridiculous because they can't do that. They have to notify a the Northcott and b us that they're coming in, but because they're the guild, they felt that they could. Anyway, they came in and basically said, um, "Yeah, how racist is this going to be? Because we need to kind of observe and make sure that it's okay, unless you otherwise you can't do the show." And we responded by going, "Well, it's a." <laughs> It's a bit of a waste of time you coming in now because this is so late that even if there was some things, we'd really struggle to change them. But also because we're not insensitive, like cruel human beings, um, we cut, you know, we even cut sections of music. Um, what because, kind of uh, what kind of yeah. stuff did you have to cut? I'm, I just because so it's not it's not kind of like stuff. yeah, there's like there'll be lines about um, grabbing a character by his little pony, his little pigtail, because. Uh, because of in its original setting all of the costumes would have been kind of like ladies in kimonos and and uh gentlemen in the kind of like male equivalents and it's all kind of quite formal traditional japanese dress and with it being gilbert and sullivan that is um that's just too a tantalizing an opportunity not to take the piss out of so we didn't set ours like that it was it's did it it had kind of overarching themes of of um of japan but uh, it was set in kind of like a more modern day context. Our, our, all of our male chorus, for instance, were in suits and their waistcoats had kind of like Japanese print on them. Uh, we we had two um, our two amazing producers um, actually f- made and folded tw- uh, 2,500 multicolored paper cranes. And we hang them from like trees and along the backdrop. And then it was really cool, actually. So we did our backdrop was just all of these cranes kind of suspended um, in like frozen animation. And then as you threw certain light onto the stage, you could suddenly turn them into stars for night scenes and things. And it was, yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, oh. But yeah, to, to answer your question, no racial kind of undertones were there, <laughs> thankfully. Well, that's all we got time for with our interview today. So I don't know why I'm shouting, mm. but uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Moore, uh, noted music no, director so of, the, much for of, the, of, the, of the very much not racist uh, production of the Mikado at the University of Exeter. Mm. Dan, Dan, could you, could you come back in the podcast? Sorry, you had to step yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah. oh, he's back. So um, have you seen anything good this week? Um, have I seen anything good? Well, I don't know whether I touched on it last week, but I am still watching Mad Men. Oh yeah, you um, mentioned it yeah. on uh, on Netflix. It's really quite good. I also on BBC iPlayer. There's Calvary with um, Brendan Gleeson. 
It's one of the it's one of the ones that come out of like the Irish Film Board. It's one of those films, and they're usually really really excellent. It's got a good cast. Mm-hmm. I rewatched that. That's quite good. Um, otherwise, I'm still waiting to see three billboards out of thingy thingy thingy. Also, <laughs> um, for those who know me, uh, I'm kind of obsessed with Wes Anderson's work as a as a filmmaker. Um, Exeter Picture House are doing a showcase on his work, so they're starting with um, his very first picture, which was pocket rocket or bottle rocket or something oh yeah i've heard of that i've not seen it but it, it's it's one of the the ones that people talk about less yeah bottle rocket yeah 1996 um and then they're going right the way through with all of his work so i think on the 19th of february um they're showing rushmore which oh, yeah. is excellent really excellent and then i think they'll be concluding with by the very end they'll be showing um isle of dogs which is his new stop motion so I mentioned that last time, didn't I? That I saw the trailer for it, mm. and it looks fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm really, really excited for that film now. Uh, there was, there were a couple of films. Oh yeah, Journey's End was the other film uh, that the trailer came up, and I'd like to see. That's that. Um, that looks mm. fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 it sucks now that I'm so far from the Picture House in Exeter because they did mm. do. I mean, and now I actually have time to watch films, whereas you know, now I'm I've got the time, but no cinema, which is you know you're always missing one. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to go to that the, the Wes Anderson Festival. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really it's very very cool. I mean, the other the other stuff at the moment. I mean, obviously there's there's a lot of. I don't actually think the Shape of Water's come out yet, has it? There's there's the what we said last time. No, we, I really want to see that though. Talking about the Oscars, but so many of them haven't come out. Um, I will be going to see uh Ebbing Missouri through billboards outside of Ebbing Missouri sometime soon. Um, okay. And then there's, there's I think just... I've said I've had discussions with Hugo for us to try and find some time to go and see it. So okay, um, that would be uh, that would be nice. But I mean, there's there's just so much out at the moment. There's that. There's there's Early mm. Man, the new Ardman film, which I'm sure will be fantastic. Oh, that looks good. Uh, yeah. I mean, Doctor Commode gave it a good review, and so that's that's good mm. enough for me. Although he seems to think that the uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit is better than Chicken Run, which I definitely think isn't isn't right. Um, mm. Yeah, but, I don't agree. Uh, what else is there? I mean, there's there's all basically all the stuff that's been nominated for the Oscars is uh, there's that. What's the one with Daniel Day Lewis? Is it um the Phantom something? It's about an artist. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, that sounds that sounds great. So something um, Phantom Thread. That's the one. Phantom Thread. And then I mean, there's yeah. It's just it's a really good really good season. It seems actually like there's loads, loads of stuff out at the moment. Something I saw uh, since the last podcast, which. Um, mm isn't going to win any Oscars, I don't think. Uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, is um, The Greatest Showman. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit when I was in Exeter. Um, you yes. have been in the production Barnum, or you know about the production yes. Barnum, don't you? So Yeah, no, I was in... We did that, I did that at school. It's a good production too, but I, I think this is going to very, very heavily influence when I finally get around to actually seeing yeah. Greatest Showman. Influence my, um, my watching of it. Because, I mean... <sighs> As far as I could tell, like there's a, there's a good story there, right? And obviously that like they've done a musical about it before. Is it a musical or is it a, is it a show? Like as like a play? It's a musical. It's a musical. So you know there's there's material there that already exists. Um, there's a good story, and yet with this film they just chose to do a completely original thing. You know I suppose fair enough. But they didn't. I don't know. Like considering the talent and the material they're working with, and the fact that clearly there is material because there's a successful musical, the film just completely kind of falls flat i thought 
Like, it just didn't... Mm. I mean, I, I'm saying this. Like, I know Pixel Girl will be listening to this. She was openly weeping for about two-thirds of the film. I mean, she's a crier uh, uh, at the best of times. Although she didn't, she didn't cry at Hamilton. You know? She cried through more than half of The Greatest Showman. Um, mm. Like, I don't know. It's just like, considering that Hugh Jackman was in it, Zac Efron's in it. Zac Efron is, like, insanely pretty. He's one of those people that I get angry at looking at. It's just because he's just too pretty. Um, and Zendaya's yeah. in it and Grey. And, like, there's some there's some good moments. But, like, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear from readers who, who might disagree with me. I thought that it kind of fell very flat and just didn't do anything for me at all. But, yeah, you know, when you've seen it and you can compare it to Barnum, I, I'd be interested to hear your opinion. I must admit, I've seen the trailers for it. And I'm, I'm completely passive. <laughs> My reaction was just like, okay. Oh, that's well, nice, dear. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those ones where like it just feels like maybe they didn't take enough risks, or maybe just the the because the thing at the end of the day, the thing that I think didn't do anything for me was the fact that just the music wasn't good I didn't think and it's not my style of music I don't particularly like that style that genre but eh, mm. that, that was the, probably the best review I could give it is just eh, didn't yeah mm. didn't do anything so yeah when you when you see it that'd be interesting um other than yeah. that I mean yeah I saw Hamilton as I already said that was that was amazing it's only the the mm. third West End show I've seen yeah the third um because I saw Wicked before and I've, I saw Matilda before interestingly mm. i've only seen uh musicals that have one word titles it would appear uh, <laughs> although I, I plan to break that that streak with uh, uh pixel girl and i were going to go and see the book of mormon we're going to try and get tickets for that next oh nice i'm still i'm still trying to hunt down um cursed child oh and that too obviously yeah um I've, and that's I the thing i really want to see that i have never seen a play in the west end i've seen student productions of plays um, for example, mm. like Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, I mean, GNS is ba- barely a musical, so that kind of counts as a play. Like, steady, but, steady. <laughs> but I've never seen a play in the West End, so I, th- I think, I'd, um, and like for the spectacular nature of the Cursed Child, I mean, yeah, I feel, I feel like that's a good one to start on, really. But yeah, um, yeah no, I, I need to see more. I've, I, I like I, every time I've gone, I've loved it. It's just so expensive, like. Mm. it's an expensive i mean i think that the, the cinema is an expensive hobby to have because it costs like 10 or 15 quid a pop um mm. but like you know the, the hamilton tickets were like 50 or 60 quid each and that and that was yeah. at the very back that was that was me getting basically the only seats that were available for that performance and they were at the, they were at the cheapest ones at the back um yeah like it's it's re- it's a rich person's hobby i I don't i need to earn mm. more money before i can enjoy it <laughs> mm. but um yeah that, so that that's basically that's all my my critical stuff for this week i don't know if you've seen anything else that you'd like to review not not really as i say it's just been kind of i've 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 been flat out mercadoing and as soon as that wrapped up um also which added to kind of my like the stress of of shows um mikado ran wednesday through to saturday night and i was working thursday through till tuesday <laughs> oh wow so it was just like it was really hellish i've had wednesday i have wednesday thursday friday off which has been a relief just to kind of get a little bit of you know a bit of me time um yeah quite and then uh and then hugo and i have been planning our um our big bash that's coming up later in uh, later in the month for our uh, combined and also, birthdays. Uh, and you've also been planning a party, as I understand it. Yes, yeah, exactly as well. Um, <laughs> we're doing. A, we're we're going to be having a, a a nice party as well, just to celebrate our um our coming of age. Well, you you're turning twenty one. Twenty one, yeah. And Hugo's turning twenty. Hugo's turning twelve. 
Twelve. Ah, uh, yeah. He he's well, big for yeah. his age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's um, actually that but, is something that's sad. I I I would like to hold a mem- in memoriam in relation to Hugo actually because um those of you who who watch my YouTube channel will know that I had some problems uh, with my microphone in the last week of my PhD, uh, and I yeah. lost two more than two weeks of footage because i had a week as a uh, the final week handing in which has already gone out there's also a week of me vlogging in new york which i just don't think i can make a video out of um i don't think it's appropriate for the channel at the moment and it's just not interesting in the same way that the phd vibe uh, one was but what we also mm. lost was uh the the final um bit, bit, base one boozy challenge uh which we filmed uh with dan presenting again and we did we did battle shots which was battleships, but every time your ship gets hit, you take a shot. Um, mm. Which was really good fun. Probably wouldn't have made a good video, but I- I'm a little bit annoyed that all that footage is unusable, basically. Um, yeah, it was a fun night. It was a very fun night. It was. So Hugo and Peter and Corin, I'm sorry, guys, but the camera just failed us all. Um, so but maybe we'll have to do... Maybe on tour, we could do uh, an-, an additional uh, base one boozy challenge. Are you coming on tour? I should be, yeah. Oh, cool. Because yeah, it turns the... out I can come on tour now as well. Oh, how come you couldn't before? Singers. Oh, right. Well, cause, Singers um... were meant to be going to Rome, but now we've, ch- we've, now we've changed the dates, so it looks like... Um, oh, cool. It looks like we, I can go to France and then, then potentially either Italy or potentially Budapest. Budapest. Nice. Because, mm. um, yeah... Uh, no, um, was it Budapest? Oh, no, no, it was Vienna. Because, yeah, Pixel Girl was, wasn't going to be able to come originally because she was going to be going to Vienna, but now she it looks like she's going to yeah. be coming. Well, check us out. How Euro, how Europhilic are we? Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so I should be coming on tour to France with the Chapel Choir, and uh, of course awesome. vlogging it, uh, which I feel like is an excuse to buy a drone. So we'll see. You do, you do need to do it. Yeah, it's one of those business expenses that it's like it's like Brian buying a flamethrower. I just, I just kind of want it. <laughs> really, really, really. And now we come to Agony Corner, or Crisis Corner. We haven't seemed to have quite decided on the name. Uh, For Mm. the sake of alliteration, it's Crisis Corner. So this is where we're taking uh, one of your uh, issues, your your crises, dear readers, anonymizing it, and then we're sort of offering you advice. And the disclaimer is the advice probably shouldn't be followed because it's probably not very good, but we'll do our best. Um, Mm. If you uh, have an issue or a crisis that you'd like us to uh, help you with, and the help is very much in quotation marks there, uh, then you can send us an email at spongyelectric at gmail.com. And you can use the throwaway account if you want, but we will be anonymizing everything that gets sent to to Crisis Corner. And if you put that in the subject, then it helps us. Um, So, you know, this this email, for example, comes to us from uh, Anonymous. So, um, yeah, if, if that's you in the future... Uh, then send us an email. Uh, but this week we're going to be talking about Anonymous's problem, which reads as follows. I'm a 20-year-old girl and haven't really experienced that much stuff on a social scale. I live a comfortable and easy life with little to no obstacles. I have a great family, go to university, and I'm pursuing my passion. I also have never had sex or kissed anyone, and I don't have any good friends or a strong connection with anyone whatsoever. Don't get me wrong, I've had close friends in the past, but just never really stuck to them because ultimately they weren't right for me. I have cool stuff going on in my life, so I don't have too much time to worry about this. But I also read somewhere that loneliness can be detrimental for your health, and this lack of human connection can nonetheless form an actual problem. The hardest thing for me is finding the balance between letting things happen, quotations, uh, it will happen when you least expect it, shut up mum, or going after what you want, brackets, meaningful sex. Like I said, my aim is to create a conversation, I'd be lying if I said I was really desperate or losing sleep over this. 
but regardless anonymous um i mean this can't i, I imagine anonymous isn't the only person to have this issue um oh I, yeah this sounds like it's a pretty common thing i mean what what's your initial thoughts dan hmm i think it's i think when you consider where you are in life and kind of like the time and and both kind of like literally like location you're at university um then it's very easy to kind of worry even more because you are surrounded by people and and happenings where meaningful meaningful relationships and and connections with people whether it's romantic or or purely platonic um that's kind of that's that literally makes up every moment of your day so if you're then also still if you're you're thinking about um she says she said uh, a person says don't get me wrong i've had close friends in the past um but just never really stuck to them because ultimately they weren't right for me um i don't think there's anything wrong with not being at that like stage yet i don't know um what do you think i mean it's it's such a strange thing isn't it because everybody simultaneously views that um it's very important not to be pressured into anything um romantic or sexual um and that mm. you should be doing it in your own time uh and you know that everyone's very supportive of, of, of like you know yeah just do do you it doesn't matter but at the same time mm. everyone does get judged by their peers socially mm. if they don't engage with those things there is mm. this tension between those two camps um and so you know i think it's great that anonymous is saying you know that, that they've got a great life that that, that, that that stuff's going on that's cool um you know like clearly this isn't as they say they're not losing sleep about this and it's good that they have that attitude it's much better to have that attitude than just feeling obliged to do something um mm. i think really they've anonymous has actually got the right attitude to begin with i think it's um it, it it's a case of just doing what makes you happy on a deep level there's the two kinds of happiness right there's the happiness that's um you know just sort of meaningless sex or whatever or they said meaningful mm. but you know just just like kind of carnal stuff um and then yeah. there's the level of happiness that comes from truly being happy in your own skin or being happy with yourself um you know it's like comparing watching citizen kane to watching porn like you might mm. enjoy watching porn in one sense but you don't get the same level of enjoyment like the same deep kind of happiness that you get from watching mm. something like a piece of art like citizen kane um mm. and i feel like you've got to pursue that latter kind of happiness you've got to pursue that kind of being comfortable in your own skin and being happy um and if sex kind of and relationships fall into that um and I, this is what i'm focusing on and i know that they've said that they've had so they don't really have any sort of good friends or strong connections um i, I think you could kind of view that as the extension to this i'm focusing on kind of the, the nucleus the more the, the more concentrated um aspect um I, I think if that falls into your life then great but if it doesn't then mm. don't sweat it i think i think the um i think the the balance more tips towards letting things happen mm. um than it than it does for you to sort of push push forward i mean what do you think i think i mean i don't i don't mind kind of i don't mind discussing this um but it's my kind of like i i sympathize a great deal with anonymous here because i have very recently found myself in this exact same position more in in terms of knowing that a relationship right now for me to be in one is not good for me and is not something that i can do um 
having previously been in one um granted not for not for an especially long time but it was it was really it was really difficult to try and come to that decision of of explaining why it wasn't okay to to to, to the other person um and and being fully aware that kind of like of this kind of like societal hyper awareness of like now that relationship has gone what you know am i being judged is the other person being judged who's like someone's got to kind of almost take the blame kind of thing um the most important thing and the th- and the th- kind of the thing that kept going through my head and gave me cause to kind of have the conversation um about my relationship in the first place was i didn't feel comfortable and i knew kind of in my heart of hearts that for where for what i'm from kind of where i am in life at the moment um it just a, a relationship i was was too much of a kind of a pressure on me um you know that has a lot to do with kind of how much free time i have and being aware that i need to find more time for myself to make sure i'm okay but then also knowing that it's it's unfair for the other person to know that i can't give that as much time as well and then other you know there, there are other kind of factors that go into it as well but the most important thing is do what make do what makes you happy and don't don't feel pressured or or inadequate i think that's the other thing too just because it's happening around for everybody else um it, i think realistically it's not happening for 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 more people than you think um it's just that you only ever you only ever see certainly in the kind of the kind of micro world of university where it's all kind of you know people you know going out and and you know relationships you, you- they have the, the right. case of um they have the case of survivor bias right like mm. as in you only need to or, or successful bias as in you only hear about the people who maybe it's two or one out of ten of people who will go out on a night out and bring somebody home or the two or one out of, uh, of ten people that you know who are in a like a serious relationship you focus mm. on those way more and ignore the eight to nine people that are just like you you know like it's mm. it's yeah it's survi- it's it's survival bias you only see the people that are successful yeah i think when especially this is an issue that most directly affects you um for me it was a it was a kind of a situation that directly affected me and um the kind of you know the other person in the relationship but the most important thing for you to do and something that you've always got to remember is that at times where it's such a, an emotional close personal thing to you you've got to put yourself first Mm. like you can't you you know it's 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 too important not to and that's not you being selfish that's you being able to control the one thing in life that you can control which is yourself yeah i am the one thing in life i can control yeah exactly i mean i i i i think just to sort of as a little kind of ancillary point um I think this is very much true for relationships. Um, I think when it comes to friendship stuff, um, I mean, saying don't really have any sort of strong connection with anyone, don't have any good friends. Mm. Um, I think maybe that's an opportunity to perhaps be more proactive. It's a weird mm. thing where like platonic relationships, yeah, go and get it. Whereas romantic relationships, it's like, well, you know, let it happen. Um, uh, my advice there, which I realize does sort of con- completely fly against all the, the romantic stuff, would be, yeah, to, mm. to throw yourself into stuff that you enjoy doing. If you if you feel like you're lacking kind of a human connection just on a friendship level, um, you should kind of just 
pick one or two things that you are really really passionate about that you really enjoy doing or learning about mm. and find a way and if you're at uni this is so easy find a way to um, engage with other people on that you know if you're really into mm. i don't know say chess for example like um just turn up to the next university uh, the, like the, the the next social that the uni chess club has or something mm. or um if there's a local club to you or i don't know if you're into um i don't even know like like painting or something if you like watching bob ross then maybe start doing it on your own maybe you already do it on your own and then you know you could join a class with other people you could organize a class with other people and say that you know you'd like to, to host something i, I think like my experience of going to Exeter from from Oxford was that I was like right I need to pick a few things that I'm really into and make friends through that because that's the only way I'm going to meet people that are like me and it worked out very well mm. for me um I feel like that's generally like the way in which you should kind of think about if you, if you feel like you're lacking that human connection don't think about the people think about you and what you're interested in and then find mm. a way to connect with people via those things yeah for, yeah form 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 those form those connections first purely on kind of shared interests or just being happy to be around a person and everything else will kind of fill it fill itself in yeah you know like that i think this is the other thing too like we're trying we're trying to almost kind of flow charterize or formularize um something that is so kind of you know relationships whether they're platonic or, or romantic are so volatile you know they're ever-changing and any you know or you know there being the number of kind of like extraneous variables that are that are like affecting that um it's really hard to try and ex- try and break it down into a, okay now there's this then there's this and this is the next logical step i think just focus on what makes you happy mm. and if if you're happy everything else will kind of fall fall into place but i certainly you know this this person says that um i realize that my issues are almost never exclusive to me and i'm never alone in them i think it's really good that you acknowledge that um because it's mm. certainly true i mean i you know i'm i'm in the, basically that same situation at the moment so um yeah don't don't just so solidarity do what makes you happy yeah yeah just as long as you're happy things will fall into place you'll be okay you'll be yeah everything works out okay in the end i have tremendous faith in myself when it comes to that kind of thing hmm Oh, wow. I think we actually managed to offer some decent advice for once. Yeah. Good question, though. It comes to that time uh, where we must we must take pause and reflect and say a massive thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, for those of you who, who might not know, um, the Wikicast does have a Patreon. Um, you can pledge a dollar or, well, yeah, just a dollar now, um, a dollar a month for either team cat or dog. And we can update on the numbers in just a second. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but your support, kind of fiscal support for the podcast really goes a long way. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's certainly it's covered our hosting costs for now. Um, kind of the merchandise route is getting closer and closer. And we've got, you know, there'll be some exciting news about that coming out hopefully next yes. week or the week after. From, from, from um, fiscal support to physical support. Mm hmm. Exactly. Um, but yeah, your, your kind of support, obviously, we know that it's a, it's a real pleasure reading out, reading your correspondence and, and getting to kind of have a conversation with you all. But equally, um, for those of you who are finding finding time out of your, your day to come and, and, and pledge a dollar, it does mean a lot. Um, so without further ado, just before we go to our thankings, let's just check in on the numbers. Uh, well, I'm very Cat, pleased. I'm very yeah. pleased to report that Team Cat has 22 patrons. 
as opposed to Team Dog 17. I mean, Team I feel Dog like is getting closer, though. We are it's catching up. We are we're catching up every week. You're doing good, jo- Team Dog folk. I'm very proud of you. Well done. And somebody, it's Eric Bolliger, is sneakily put in for Team Dog, but they're donating five bucks a month. So thank you, Eric. But like, you, it still only counts as one, to quote Gimli. Um, uh, oh yeah, we watched that the other day. That was fun. When I was the next, we just mm. casually watched a bit of Return of the King. Um, but yeah. yes, we still the cats. Cats are still outwinning the dogs because actually, looking through the cat donations, there are a few people uh, who are donating two bucks a month instead of the just just the one that's required. So um, mm. thank you, Pun and Games and Keegan Amrine, um, for boosting cats numbers in response to that. Frankly, cheating mm. by Eric. But if you would like to correct that balance, if you think that dogs are better than cats, then you should go to the. Uh, patreon.com forward slash the wikicast and cast your dollar a month in for team dog but i i for yes. one i'm very happy and if you'd like to join me in, in team cat then uh then you know exactly what to do and now to our top lads um this is a this was kind of like a, a third tier so all of the all of the names about to be listed are pledging five dollars to us um and i've been granted the status the exalted status of top lad um it's it's not hierarchical at all um but it's but deeply, it deeply appreciated. <laughs> so without further ado, our top lads. I feel like this almost needs its own theme tune, like the Pearl and Dean kind of thing. Top lad! Okay, so I have a list of top lads in front of me. We have, thank you so much for your support, Lachlan Woods. Lad. John Mannion. Lad. Nicholas. Such a lad. Luke Thatcher. Yeah, I'd say he's a lad. It's all right. Laddier out there, but he's laddier than most. Uh, Simon Torseth. Lad. It's Alex Greer. (sighs) What a lad. What a lad. It's Jordi Eschendahl. Lad. It's Jono. Lad. (laughs) It's it's Miles Kornfeld. Lad. Matt Maguire. Big fan of that name, got to say. Yeah, nice. I'm going to say it normally for once. Emma Kavanagh. Kavanagh. Kavanagh! I couldn't help myself. It's such a good surname. Uh, next up is Jay Wright. Lad. Angela. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Angela. Lad. Kieran Kelly. Absolute lad. The wonderfully named Wonderful Stephen. <sighs> wonderful lad. The more tentatively named Tapio Kirkinen. Lad. Oh, uh, possibly. Oh, no, no. There are some strong contenders for the best names, or the top lad names, but I think Davi Schram Vontabel is one of them. Oh, yeah. Mega lad. Simon Vase, another very, very strong name. Strong lad. Possibly, possibly my favourite because it causes Dan no small amount of pain to try and pronounce it. And it also sounds like it's a character from Shadow of Mordor. Azagu Nagapan Nagasaravanan. Lad, 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 lad. One for every syllable. And the one, mm. the only, Dan Hanvey. All, all, the, all the love to that lad. Who's out of hospital. Round of applause for Dan. He's out of Yay. hospital. He's doing better. Hopefully, I'll be seeing him very soon but, uh, for a, mm. uh, a a secret event, which I'm going to vlog and will be on the channel sometime soon. But I am very excited. Yeah. And that's all the top lads. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon. It really does make a massive difference. I am hopefully later today going to be trying to sort out the, the sort of get the ball rolling for t-shirts because we now have the first lot of Patreon money coming through. Um, so mm-hmm. we actually have the capital to say to, to get some tests done. So thank you so 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 much. Um, and if you'd like to support the podcast um we we are we are at top lad slots if anyone has any suggestions for perhaps if we could expand the top because i don't think we ever expected to to hit 20 um so if people have suggestions for how we could develop the patreon and especially if you if you 
what you'd like to ha- see from us, then send mm. us an email at spongyelectric@gmail.com. We'd we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. But speaking of which, should we should we pop on over to correspondence corner? Let's do it. Let's let's meander over. And I'm moving my head like a snake, even though it's a podcast. We kick off our correspondence corner with Hacking Ruddy George. He makes a return. It's um, Hacking Ruddy George. He says, "Dear, dear, tall <laughs> one, small a, one." I've been going up a key every I time. A wiki- I can't go any higher. <laughs> I have a Wikicast conspiracy theory I wish to share with you. For no good reason, I wrote in the form of a poem. I say poem. I have no idea how to write a poem, and I just get bored while writing emails to you, so I decided to make random words rhyme slash half rhyme. My theory (laughs) revolves around the idea that Simon does too many things. It shouldn't be possible for someone to run a successful YouTube channel, finish a PhD, co-host a podcast, etc. It seems more likely that there are multiple clones of Simon. So here's the thing. I'm a bit dubious at how good at YouTube he is, while also being so studious. What what I'm about to say is so ludicrous, but I don't think I'm alone in thinking he has a clone. I think Dan killed him, made multiple copies, and willed them like gullible zombies to build a YouTube channel to make money on the side. But who knew Danny could be so damn sly to the trash bag with this poem? Hashtag Simon is a clone. Kind regards, hecking ruddy George. P.S. It felt very odd to call Dan Danny, but it was the only way to make the syllables fit and make the half rhyme work. P.P.S. Simon tweeted that he never had watched a Vsauce video. This means you've not seen the best video on YouTube. A defense of Comic Sans. I mean, I have now seen that video. Um, I still hate the font. And I love the fact that he mm. signed off your, the email, despite the fact that the rest of it is in Arial, in Comic Sans, in... How would you describe that color? Uh, neon purple? Mm. It's like neon magenta. It's a very Blade Runner color. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I've seen that video now. I finally have watched a Vsauce video. I literally don't know how I went this long without watching any Vsauce videos. I just don't think it ever appealed to me. Um, mm. I know that he's like a massively successful educational YouTuber, arguably the most successful. Um, mm. I don't know. There's something about his presenting style that I just like, I, I don't know, it kind of grates with me. It's a bit like patronizing. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, but, I, like, I got that know, vibe actually. Um, Great content yeah, though, but just not not for me. It's it's good content in in the same way that like smarter every day. I love his content. I really do love him. It's mm. just like every now and again the Alabama ness of him shines through, and it's a bit like oh okay, like there's, there's, like I mean fair play to the guy. You know he's 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 just started a PhD as we mentioned before, uh, Des- Destin. Um, but like yeah, every now and again like the kind of slightly to us weird southern america south of the u.s stuff starts to creep through like his kids calling him sir which to people in the south mm. is probably completely normal but to me it's a bit like oh okay that's a, you yeah. do you okay um <laughs> but yeah i've now finally caught up with with vsauce seeing as apparently that's exactly who i am now but uh mm. also when i say i i mean this clone this shell uh, it's actually more of a hive mm. mind um i'd love to have that i would love to have multiple clones of me that i could control in like a hive mind it'd be so useful could get so much mm. shit done so limited but uh thank you i think hecking ready george for your email yes next we have a quick email from simon woodcock oh i didn't know that but you know thanks for the tip um dear pinky and the brain i'll let you decide who is who i'm writing in as a long time reader of the podcast and fellow simon who has wanted to write in for a long time but never had a sufficient reason to beyond just saying how much i enjoyed the podcast and the vlog well thank you very much however one of my friends recently showed me a video by a youtube channel called tear zoo that's like as in tears of a cake 
zoo, all in one word, where the various attributes of life on Earth are explained as if they're the meta of a video game. It goes without saying that you proceeded to watch every video in the course of one night. And in particular, there's one video about cats versus dogs as a support class to humans. Um, He's firmly on Team Dog. Um, But uh, he sent a link to the video. uh, And I just wanted to include this, Simon, because this looks amazing. I'm really glad that you sent this to us because it's so us. Yeah. I will be spamming uh, all of those videos into my eyeballs uh, later on today because this looks... Oh my god, it's actually really big. It's got like 300,000 subs. Oh, Oh, nice. Wow, I am watching all of these. This is amazing. Mm. Thank you, Simon. If you you found cool shit on the internet, please send it to us because I'm all about cool shit on the internet. That looks so legit. Oh, one of the videos is literally called Is Australia OP? Got an email here from Lewis Watson. It says, Dear Messrs. Dr. Clark and more, first of all, cats, obviously pledged on Patreon. Now that's out of the way. I'm Lewis and currently studying... Well, I'm at high school in the UK studying maths, physics, English, media and computer science, hoping to move up to university in just over a year, I think, to study computer science, considering doing a joint degree, but currently undecided as I have over a year. Uh, what, are your, what are your opinions on joint degrees? I can honestly say I've been loving the podcast, which has recommended me by some random guy on YouTube that just got a PhD, whatever that is, <laughs> having been a reader for a long time uh, and having a few episodes to catch up on. Uh, might I add that bursting out laughing on a silent bus while wearing headphones seems to get some well varied responses side note definitely up for the concept of a wikicast t-shirt finally could you make a shout out to meg for the sole purpose that she is the best kitty ever see attached image thanks for the podcast youtube channels and plethora of inspiration p.s if you get a chance slash want to procrastinate you should have a look at my instagram yep i'm going to be one of those people at lewis watson underscore 55 don't need to read this. Too late, Lewis, man. <laughs> that's just to make that very clear, that's at Lewis Watson, all one word, underscore, underscore five five. Fifty five. Yeah. Now if everyone could go to that Instagram, hang on, I'm just gonna go to that Instagram. Uh right. Uh, so I mean we've read it now, we've committed. I feel like we've it's almost like we've unlocked a unleashed a curse. Uh yeah. Lewis Watson fifty five. Uh let's see. Come on, my internet is being very slow today. Yep. Oh, I see how you had to put the underscore in there. Oh, oh wow these are some good pictures you should check this out dan yeah i'm just having a look now these are legitness uh oh wow these are really cool i am i am very happy to to follow back mm. on a on a uh, you're a nikon man oh well, no one's perfect on a d7200 wow yeah those are some these great are really, pictures yeah, they're really good look everyone um, following yeah, this podcast I will also follow back Everyone on this podcast, go and go and check this out. I mean, it's shameless promotion by Lewis, absolutely shameless, but it's worked. God damn it! Mm. Um, these are some quality pictures, and you should keep taking pictures, Lewis. And side mm. note, your cat is absolutely adorable. Meg, you could ah, oh, it's a good girl. Don't you just want to scritch her underneath the cheeks, like? I mean, oh. not not especially. I will happily I will happily admit that it's quite a majestic looking cat. But uh, it's not a dog, so... Also, I just want to say, I live. I live for the idea that we are causing people to just burst out laughing on listening yeah. to us. Like, that, that is just the funniest thing in the world to me. Because I've done it before. Like, I've been trying to listen to... Normally, it's uh, my dad wrote a porno, and something happens, and you just can't stop yourself bursting out laughing, and everyone looks at you like a loon. Um, I live for the idea that we're causing that. Mm. Oh, and actually, the end of that email, Lewis has uh, signed off with Lewis... 145,122 hours old at the time of writing this. It's an unconventional approach. Bold approach, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. At least it's not the decimal heresy. Uh, Anyway, next email. 
Uh, next email we have from Rory. Rory has sent us War and Peace. Uh, it's a it's a rather long email, Rory. Uh, I am going to paraphrase mm. this on the fly. So short time reader, first time caller. He's just been catching up with us and um, he's surprised by how much we have in common. For example, the Triforce, Hat Films, Primitive Technology, and Dear Hank and John. Um, and also the fact that we hate the Big Bang Theory. So Rory, mm-hmm. square in the middle of our demographic. Uh, excited to hear that we're both going to start playing Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I am. Dan's probably going to catch up in a bit, let's face it. Mm. Um, his advice to me is to stay calm and be willing to make decisions even if you aren't sure as the Dungeon Master. Uh, so if a ruling comes into question, remember your word is law. Uh, oh, I see what he's done there. That's that. Mm. That's, he's spelled L-O-R-E, but also L-A-W. Nice. Very good. I'm glad I read this out already. This is, this is paying dividends. Um... Uh, also, um, touching on how we enjoyed the uh, discussion all the way back in episode eight about being a geek and how you know shouldn't be uh, looked down upon. Um, speaking of your interest, Dan, as I know uh, how much of a Dodie Clark fan you are, I thought it only right to make you jealous of the fact that my brother is somewhat good friends with her, and I have met her a few times. She's even stayed at my house. Good lord! Lucky you, Rory. Yeah, I mean, come, steady yourself there, Dan. I know that that is he probably destabilised your suddenly, suddenly grabbing the table that he's sitting at to steady himself. Goes on to say, I thought you might be interested in how I found about your channel, because this is an unusual route. It was from watching your, your collaboration with Acapella Science hanging in the Hamilton parody. That's a callback to earlier in the episode. Another thing which he's a fan of. Good. Um, and he was surprised when I saw you knew Sally LePage. Sally LePage are in our top three biologists that we know. Mm. I know two. So, yeah, she's probably in the top three. Um, as um, they'd seen her in some Rooster Teeth videos. Um, I've not actually seen any Rooster Teeth videos. I think I did. The, no, did they do? I. Uh, did they do like achievement horse or something in Halo? Was that a thing they did a long time ago? Um, I have no idea. And oh no, they did Red versus Blue, didn't they? I, I watched them way back in the day, but I haven't seen them for ages. But yes, I know Sally has done some of that stuff. Um, so, um, the, the kind of the rub of the email, the reason I picked it was because he suggested, have you thought about playing Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes for the channel for Sponge and Electric? I think that is a great idea. Mm. I am, I'm going to make a note of that because I think now that I am finished and Dan is finished with the Mikado, we can actually sit down and do a recording session or two. So keep your eyes peeled. I really like that idea. Um, mm. I think that could be really fun. So uh, post-it note has been made. Uh, thank you very much for your email, Rory. I'll go down. Yeah. Go down to the river and pray. Oh, God. You make me feel sick sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. And finally, we have, <laughs> uh, we have an email from the one, the only, Dan Hanvey. Dan uh, Hanvey! It's titled SpaceX and Smiley Faces. Dear Messrs. Flanders and Swan, you can find out who's who. <laughs> First of all, well done, Dan, for the ever so tiny error in recording technique last episode. Thanks, mate. On the plus side, um, it's it was like 20 minutes. For you the record, Sorry, zip it, zip it. It was at least 20 minutes. I just want to point okay. that out. I put it in the, the show okay. notes. It was like 25 minutes we were talking. So, yeah, okay. ever so slightly tiny error. Over to, back to you, Dan. You asked. We, you, the thing is, you nearly did it again today. <laughs> like, we took a break. In the I middle. know I didn't nearly do it. I was hyper aware that it could. It was a possibility because <laughs> I did stop recording, but I caught myself. Yeah. Uh, he goes okay. on to say, um, "It's like forgetting your passport. You only do it once. Better now than in a year when you're um, vying for position on the BBC Friday Night Comedy podcast." Very true. Very true. Given the recent absolutely gorgeous launch and landing of the Falcon X Heavy, RIP, Center Core, affordable space travel appears nice. to be getting closer. If you were miraculously, miraculously given the chance in the next 10 years, would you take a ride in a Dragon capsule or would you wait until the tech was a little more proven? 
I was interested by your discussion of emoji because that's... Don't, just, don't just breeze past that question. We've got to answer the man's question. I always I thought we were going to answer them all at the end. I was going to read the okay. Far away then, Simon. I mean, given the success rate of dragons, well, no, no the success rate of um, falcons. I mean, like they've proven that the technology is works. Um, ah, oh, would I? Would I? I mean, it only says a ride. Like in the next ten years, I would not be the first person in one. Like, hmm. I am all about glory and about pushing technology, but I would want to see it like successfully done by somebody else first. <laughs> but yeah, if if it if it had been proven to work, I would have. I would love to take a ride in the dragon capsule. Absolutely. Fair. Would you? Probably not. Would you? Wouldn't. No. I think because I'd be too risk. nervous. <laughs> Can you remember when we were on that? We were flying to um, we were flying to Amsterdam out of Exeter, um, mm. and we were in uh, the Flyby prop, a prop plane, um, yeah. and we were going down the runway, and only one of the propellers on the wings was going. Oh <laughs> yeah, yes. Can you remember? You, you... And I like had a little mini freak out. Yeah, considering how much you've flown, well, I suppose you're not really used to prop planes. I guess. Yeah, we usually flew flew on slightly light, obviously because it was long haul flights. Yeah, but yeah, I did. I I did actually take a um. I took when we when I was on holiday in the Maldives. Um, I was on a seaplane. I have never been on a seaplane. I'd love. To, it was love really to cool. We had to get. We took a boat out to this kind of floating jetty in the middle of the sea, and then the, there was just a plane sitting there. And then we yeah, it was really cool. Oh, very nice. Fun fact. He goes on to say, I was interested by your discussion of emoji because that's the kind of groovy twenty first century guy I am. Um, <laughs> as Tom Scott has also done some interesting videos on them. There's a simple explanation for the name White Smiley Face. It's been around since Unicode 1.1 in 1993 with its partner, the Black Smiley Face. One was filled <laughs> oh in grace, God. the other empty. Oh my As this God. was the colour of emojis, <laughs> the differentiation was simply black and white and the name stuck in Unicode. I did say, this is you what did. I said you last right. time, I'm sure that it's white because it's just a, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, it's somewhat fact, unfortunate. Well, it's somewhat unfortunate, um, the naming conventions. Maybe we should change those. Yeah, Maybe. Another fun fact, he says, Western emoticons, e.g. colon, bracket, and Japanese emoticons, e.g. open brackets, uh, hyphen, underscore, hyphen, semicolon, close brackets, differ because of the different ways cultures read faces. Western civilization focuses more on the mouth, whereas Japan and other Far Eastern countries focus on the eyes. Keep up the excellent work. Top lad, Dan. Aged four exclamation mark years and two exclamation mark months. Oh, that's very nice. I like that. That that's four factorial years and two factorial months. Nice, nice. So as in four times three times two, so twenty-four. There you go. The that's more gra- you know. a, a great email, Dan. I mean, a a, a, a solid question. That fact as about always. the Japanese emoticons. Uh, that's very interesting, mm. actually. And uh, and and we've yet we didn't have a single compound fraction this time, but I quite like that factorial form. Um, mm. Wow, great, great work. Well done, everyone. Well done. So, Dan, what have we learned today? Well, Simon, we've learned that the recession of 1949 um, was a little bit <laughs> underwhelming. And that Judith Dawson fled it and, and went on to produce a, a lovely little film called um, Dark, Dark Horse. Horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We also, we also had a conversation about the, the many and varied recessions in the history of the United States. Um, yes. We tried to define... Uh, recession, and then had a conversation about the stock markets. God, it's been very highbrow. We have um, been, and then we went down yeah. like, the YouTube comments route, and we kind of plummeted off a cliff a little bit. Yeah, 
we we launched ourselves into Critics Corner. Yeah, we we, we had that interview with with um, Mr. Moore, who who did the, mm. the non-racist. Mikado. Nice guy. Oh, he was they, nice though, wasn't he? Ah, uh, seemed a bit of a to me. Um, and then really? we had okay. you know reviews of uh, the the um, what I've been watching. So we we had Hamilton, we had um, Greatest Showman. You, you're talking about mm-hmm. Mad Men. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had, I think, a very good agony corner, a crisis corner. A really good. We need to decide on that. A really name. good agony corner. Great, yeah. great uh, question uh, from Anonymous this time around. Anonymous has been knocking it out of the park lately. Um, mm. And then we thanked our top lads, of course. And then we had, I think, some very solid, it was quite a short but sweet correspondence section. Apologies to people who didn't get their emails read out, but uh, we do read every single one. But I think some top correspondence this week. Mm. that's all for this week's episode don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice you can like us on Facebook and if you'd like to see our faces check out our YouTube channel Spongy and Electric economic advice greatest showman reviews and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole and we'll we'll see see you you next next time. Grand. I think that is a successful episode, and I have eaten up so much of my data. Data! Fart on my face. Data. Fart on my face. Okay, I am now stopping recording. Yeah, it's probably a good idea.